Amen. Amen. All right, we're here in Numbers chapter 22, and of course, we are continuing tonight uh, through the book of Numbers. We began this morning in Numbers 22, and we are in a section here uh, in the book of Numbers that is dealing with the prophet Balaam. And of course, we saw this morning that Balaam was a false prophet, and he's a bad guy, but he's an interesting character because there's so much confusion uh, about uh, Balaam. And this morning, we began here in chapter 22. We We made it up to verse number 22, and we cut it off just right at what I think is the most interesting part of the story, and it's this part of the story dealing with the talking donkey. And just to catch you up or just to remind you what we saw this morning, we saw in verses 1 through 22 that Balaam is summoned by Balak to curse the children of Israel. Balaam is offered a lot of money by Balak to give these curses. Balaam is told by God to not curse the people because they are blessed. Balaam refuses, and as a result, Balak uh, makes a better offer with better, a better delegation. And of course, Balaam is told by God that he can go if the men call him again. And he's told by God that he can only say what God allows him to say. And of course, Balaam decides to go even before the, he's been asked again. That's where we left off. And of course, this morning we saw the characteristics of a false prophet, and we saw those things from the life of Balaam. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue. We're going to end the chapter, but we're going to focus in on this section of the story dealing with this donkey. And the way we're going to look at the story tonight is under two headings. If you're taking notes, and I do encourage you to take notes, on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to do that. We're going to look at the explanation of Balaam and his donkey, or the story of Balaam and his donkey, and then we're going to end with applications from the story of Balaam and his donkey. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four points of explanation. I'm going to give you two points of application, and hopefully it all makes sense uh, tonight. Now, here's one thing I want you to understand, that this is a crazy story in the Bible, and it's not me just me saying that. The Bible itself says that, and I'll show that to you later on tonight. And this is pretty crazy, but as we go through the explanation, I want you to notice that nothing that's crazy in the story is actually seen for the first time in this story. All the crazy elements of this story appear in other places uh, in the Bible. So let's just jump right into it. Look at verse number 21, Numbers 22, verse 21. Let's begin with an explanation, four points of explanation, an explanation for the story of Balaam and his donkey. The Bible says here in verse 21, and Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass. Now, of course, we're going to see that this animal pray, plays a big part in the story. He saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab, and God's anger was kindled because he went. And we talked about that this morning. I'm just reading a little of the context just to catch you up or to remind you. Of course, we saw the fact that God said, if the men call thee again, then you can go. And the men didn't call him again. He just got up and went. And the Bible tells us here in verse 22, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way. And you're going to notice that this word way is brought up throughout the story. And it's interesting to me because in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, there's an emphasis on the way of Balaam. The Bible talks about how other false prophets will leave the right way and they'll enter into the way of Balaam. And here we're told that the angel of the Lord stood in the way uh, for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and two servants were with him. Notice verse 23. And the ass, and of course the word ass is an old archaic word that means donkey. The ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. So I want you to notice that as Balaam is going down this way, the way of Balaam, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord is standing in the way. Notice the emphasis is on this way. The angel Lord is standing in the way, and the purpose is to kill Balaam and his sword drawn in his hand, and the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into, notice the emphasis, the way, and the ass saw the angel Lord standing in, notice the emphasis, the way, and his sword drawn. Uh, excuse me, uh, verse 24, but the angel Lord stood in the path 
of the vineyard, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. Now, before we go any further, let me just say this. You're there in Numbers 22. Flip back with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, if you would. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 24. You're there in Numbers. You just go past Leviticus into the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, and just four points of explanation. Here's point number one. This is not the first time that we see God going to kill someone along the way. And the angel of the Lord is standing there in the way with his sword drawn. The idea is that he's going to kill Balaam. But this is not the first time we see this. We've actually seen this already in the book of Exodus about Moses. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 24. Notice what the Bible says. Exodus 4, 24. And it came to pass. Notice just the words. I just think it's interesting. And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him. Now, in the story, I don't have time to develop the context. You can look at it on your own. But the him there is referring to Moses. The Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, why is it that God wants to kill Moses? And the story itself does not give us a lot of details, just like the story of Balaam. But what we know is this, that God commanded Moses. Moses is on his way to Egypt. He's on his way back to Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But God commanded Moses to circumcise his children, to circumcise his son. And apparently, he does not do that. And apparently, based off the story, it's because his wife won't let him. And what does God do? He stands by the way, and the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And that ought to be a lesson for you men who like to let your wife boss you around. Um, that's what God thinks of that. Verse 25, Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So here's what happened. Moses says, God wants to circumcise our son. She's like, no. He's like, yes, ma'am. He goes down the road and God, God grabs him and starts, look, look at verse 26. So he, the Lord, let him, Moses, go. I mean, God, the Bible says the Lord has Moses. I don't know if he has him in a headlock, he's choking him out or what, but he's got him and he's standing in the way and he sought to kill him. And as a result of this, you know, Moses is like, circumcise the kid, circumcise him. And Zipporah took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it in his feet and said, surely thou art a bloody husband, art thou to me? Notice Zipporah is not happy about it anyway. She doesn't care if God's going to kill him or not. She, she's upset. So he let him go. Then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Again, this is an interesting story, and I'm sure people have all sorts of different thoughts about it. But it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me, and here's all I'm saying, that we see a couple of times in the Bible, people going down the road, people going by the way, in disobedience to God, going down the road, going against what God has asked them to do what God has commanded them to do, and God is in the way, or the angel of the Lord is in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, ready to kill them. And look, I'm not trying to, I'm just making an observation here. You go back to Numbers 22. I'm not trying to uh, threaten you in any way, shape, or form, but I would just say this. I wonder how many Christians have been, have been killed by God when they're out in the way of sin, down, going down the path they shouldn't be going, going down the path of disobedience to God. The Bible here tells us that there was an angel, look at verse 23 again, and the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn. The donkey saw that this happened, that the angel Lord was there, and that the angel Lord was going to kill Balaam. And what we see here is that, yes, God has sent an angel in the way to kill someone along the way, and this is not the first time God was going to kill someone along the way. And look, we should just let this be applied to our lives and let us remember this, especially you young people, uh, when you decide to go down that road and you're just going to go ahead and sin against God and sin against your mom and sin against your parents and sin against your pastor and sin against everything you've been told. Hey, be careful. God is a God of grace and God is a God of mercy. But there comes a time when God might just meet you by the way. God might just take your life 
Or God might just do something to you to teach you a lesson. And we need to learn from these examples in the Bible that sometimes God, when we go down the way of sin, God is standing by the way. Ready to kill, ready to hurt, ready to punish, ready to chastise. Now, it's interesting to me that this donkey sees the angel of the Lord. In fact, go with me if you would. Keep your place there in Numbers if you would. And go with me to the book of Revelation just real quickly. Revelation. I don't like animals. And I mean, I guess I, I, I don't like my animal. Let me, how about that? And I know I'm going to upset some of you guys just for saying that. But let me just show you something good about animals in the Bible. So I just offended you, and I'm going to try to win you back over. <laughs> Revelation 5. The Bible does seem to indicate that animals have a, some sort of a spiritual connection to God. Now, not, you know, not all dogs go to heaven, all right? I'm not saying that. But in Revelation chapter number 5, we have this story of the throne of God. And I want you to notice that there are levels of praise that are being given to God. Revelation 5, verse 7, the Bible says this, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us by, uh, by thy, uh, and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. Notice that here we have men and men, and what I mean by that is human beings that are praising God. In verse 9, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. These are human beings that are saved in heaven. They said, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. Notice that the highest of the creation of God, human beings, are praising God here. Then we see, uh, they continue in verse 10, And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Then we see the next level of creation that praises God in verse 11. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Notice that the angels, they don't say, uh, and has redeemed us by thy blood out of every kindred. They're not redeemed, but they honor God and they are praising God with a loud voice, saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So in verse 9 and 10, we see man, mankind, praising God. In verse 11 and 12, we see the next uh, level of creation, angels praising God. And then in verse 13, we see the next level of creation, animals. Notice they praise God. Verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Notice that every creature on earth here is giving uh, praise to God. Mankind, the angels, and the animals, the creatures, every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. So the Bible seems to indicate that these animals have some sort of spiritual connection uh, to God. And we kind of see that, go back to Numbers 22, if you would, in the story, because in verse 23, the Bible says, And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and the ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. And notice what the Bible says the donkey does here in verse 23. She turned aside out of the way. She's going down the road. She's going down the way. She sees the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn, getting ready to kill Balaam. And she turned aside out of the way. She said, I need to get off this road. And Balaam, of course, doesn't know what's going on. And he smote the ass to turn her into the way. So then what happens? Verse 24. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. 
So he, he gets, the angel Lord is standing in this path where pr pretty much funnels them. They have to go by him because there's a wall on this side and a wall on that side, verse 25. And when the ass saw the angel Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. He hit her again. Because the, 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 the donkey is trying to get off the road. Balaam beats the donkey and turns her back into the way. Now they're going down this way where she can't get off the road because there's a wall on this side and a wall on that side. But apparently there's enough room where she tries to go around the angel of the Lord. She has to crush Balaam up against the wall. And the Bible says that she thrust herself under the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. But she's trying to just not pass by the angel of the Lord. And of course, he smote her again. Look at verse 26. And the angel Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. So we still have a wall on this side, a wall on that side, but now it's funneled even more narrow. He's standing in a place where the donkey doesn't have room to try to maneuver around, even thrusting herself up to the wall. So what does she do? Verse 26, And the angel Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. Verse 27, And when the ass saw the angel Lord, she fell down under Balaam. She just stopped moving. She just drops, she just fell down, said, I'm not going to go any further. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. So we see that it's not the first time that God goes, by the way, to kill someone going down the wrong path, that God goes to kill someone along the way. But then, of course, we have the most interesting part of this story where the donkey speaks. Look at verse 28. And the Lord, now I want you to notice this is a miracle. The Lord opened the mouth of the ass. It's interesting to me that the, the Lord thought it was easier to open the mouth of the ass than to open the eyes of the prophet. But God decides to open the mouth of the ass, and she, the donkey, said unto Balaam, this is a crazy story, she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Here the donkey begins to speak. I mean, the Bible says the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she begins to talk and she says, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? It's a crazy story in the Bible that a donkey begins to speak. But even crazier than that is that Balaam responds. <laughs> Look at verse 29. And Balaam said unto the ass. I mean, that's interesting to me. He didn't, you know, I mean, he's not missing a beat. He's not batting an eye. I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, you can talk? <laughs> But she says, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, they're having a conversation. Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want, the word want means to, I, I got to explain to you the words that the donkey's using. You know what I mean? Like, this is a smart donkey. The word want means to, a custom or a habit. She said, was I ever want to do so? Do I have a custom, a habit? Is, the, is, this, a, is this how I normally act? She says, was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, nay. I mean, it's interesting to me. He's talking to the donkey, and the donkey's making some good points. I mean, he's arguing with the donkey, and the donkey's winning the argument. She's like, have I ever done this before? And, he, and he's like, no, actually, no, that's a good point. Good, good. Now, here's what's interesting about this story, is that this is not the first time, like I said earlier, that we see God going to kill someone along the way, but this is also not the first time that we see an animal speak in the Bible. Let's look at it real quickly. Go to Genesis 3. Now, I already showed you Revelation where all the animals are praising God anyway, but in Genesis chapter 3, I know you know the story. Let's just look at it real quickly. There are numbers. Just flip back to Genesis 3 real quickly. The Bible says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, 
which the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent, said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, He shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. And she goes on to have a conversation. It's just interesting to me that it's not the first time we see God going to kill someone by the way, and it's not the first time that we see an animal speak in the Bible. And look, if we believe that God is the creator of the universe, if we believe that God spoke all things into existence, if we believe that God created the heaven and the earth, and he created, uh, and, and he parted the Red Sea, and he's performed these miracles, it shouldn't be that difficult for us to believe that he gives the ability here for this donkey to speak. It's funny to me because people will look at the story in the Bible and they'll use it as a way to try to cast doubt upon the Bible. And they'll say, oh, you believe that book where, you know, the donkey is talking? The funny thing to me is that it's these, all these liberals who hate God are, are talking about, oh, you, you got that story where Balaam's talking to the donkey. And then they go home and they talk to their dogs. <laughs> I mean, some of you talk to your dog. It's not that crazy. He's talking to the donkey, and the donkey starts talking back. So we see that it's not the first time an animal speaks. And it's not that hard to believe if, 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 if it's God, the creator of the universe. Now, why does God do this? And, and maybe we'll get to it tonight. For sure we'll get to it next week. But there's a reason why God does this. But let me not get ahead of myself. We see that this animal begins to speak. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, all right? Because there's, there's a lot of, of, and we'll talk about it more next week. We'll talk about it Sunday morning when we're in Numbers 23. But people have problems. People have problems with Numbers 23 and Numbers 24. Because I'll just tell you, maybe you're not familiar with the story. But here's what we're going to see. Is we're going to see Balaam, the reprobate, four different times give these beautiful blessings upon the children of Israel. And let me explain something to you. Everything he says is right. Not only is it right, it's beautiful. Not only is it beautiful, it's prophetic. He gives messianic prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a brute beast. He's a reprobate who speaks the word of God. You better believe there's a Hebrew 6 connection here. And people have a problem with this. They're like, I don't understand. If he's a false prophet, how is he saying all these great things? I just think it's interesting that right before we get to that, God says, hey, look, I can make a donkey speak. If I can make a donkey speak, you don't think I can speak through Balaam? The emphasis here is that God can make anyone do anything. And we see that this donkey, the Bible tells us, the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. So just kind of keep that in your hat. We'll get back to that on Sunday morning when we're in Numbers 23. But let's continue on with our story here. Look at verse 31. Then, then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. First, the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. They have this conversation, and the donkey makes some pretty good points, and Balaam's like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Nay. And... Then the Bible says that the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. Now this is interesting because this is going to be repeated by Balaam over and over. When we get into Numbers 23 and Numbers 24, he's going to refer to himself right before he gives these parables and these oracles, these blessings upon the children of God. He refers to himself as the man whose eyes are open. He says, he refers to himself as Balaam, and he says, the man whose eyes are open hath said, and then he gives a blessing of God. And he's referring to the fact that in Numbers 22, 31, the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing, notice the emphasis, in the way, the way of Balaam. And his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. So here's what we learn by way of explanation. It's not the first time that God is going to kill someone along the way. It's not the first time that an animal speaks in the Bible. And let me say this, number three, it's not the first time that someone's eyes are open to see the spirit world. Go to 2 Kings chapter 6. Let me just give you a cross-reference. 
2 Kings chapter 6. If you find the 1 and 2 books, they're all clustered together. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. 2nd Kings chapter number 6. Look at verse 15. 2nd Kings chapter number 6, verse 15. Here the Bible tells us that the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And when the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. The Bible teaches that there is a spirit world Along with our physical world, there is a spirit world that is unseen to us. And every once in a while, God opens the eyes of individuals to be able to see the spirit world. 2 Kings chapter 6, look at verse 15. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 15, the Bible says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, uh, an host compass, the word compass means surrounded, the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Here we have the prophet Elisha and his servant, and they've been surrounded with this army that's there to attack them, to imprison them. And he wakes up and he sees that the city is surrounded with horses and chariots. And he goes to Elisha the prophet. He says, My master, how shall we do? Verse 16, And he answered, Elisha answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Look at verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. It's interesting because there's this spirit world. And look, you and I need to have enough sense to realize that there's a spirit world. Look, honestly, there, there's spiritual warfare going on every minute of the day. You better believe, especially at church services like this, when I'm preaching the Word of God, you don't think that there's a, there's a spiritual battle going on even now? This is why you need to be mindful of the things you do while sitting there in church. Don't allow yourself or your children to become a distraction. You don't think God wants, the devil's trying to bring distractions even now as the word of God is being spoken and preached? Oh, look, I'm all for babies. I, I love the babies. I'm not against the babies. I'm against the dumb mom and dad. The baby crying is not the problem. It's the mom and dad who's like, are you deaf to your crying baby? Maybe the Lord should open your uh, ears. <laughs> Go to Numbers 22. It's not the first time that God was going, you know, because people were like, oh, your pastor's mad at my baby. I, your baby's great. You're the idiot. <laughs> Don't spank the baby. Let's. Not the first time God was going to kill someone along the way. Not the first time an animal speaks in the Bible. Not the first time someone's eyes are open to see the spirit world. Look at verse 32. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee because, notice the emphasis, thy way, the way of Balaam, is perverse before me. Verse 33. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. Now this is where it gets confusing for people. Because Balaam the reprobate, the Bible says, says this, verse 34. And Balaam said unto the, Lord, uh, unto the angel of the Lord, notice what he says, he says, I have sinned. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. Here we have Balaam who says, I have sinned. And people think like, oh, well, look, Balaam, he must, not, he must be a good guy. But please understand this. Go to Matthew 27. It's not the first time God stands by the way to kill someone. It's not the first time the animal speaks in the Bible. It's not the first time someone's eyes are open to the spirit world. And number four, it's not the first time a reprobate says, I have sinned. And doesn't mean it. Look at Matthew 27, verse 3. Matthew 27 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. Then Judas... Judas Iscariot, Judas who betrayed, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of perdition, a reprobate. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, notice these words, I have sinned. These reprobates will often say, I have sinned, they'll feel sorry, they'll repent, but there's no repentance for them. I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood, and they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. So we see that it's not the first time that a reprobate says, I have sinned. By the way, let me just say this. Just because someone says, I have sinned, does not mean that they're repentant. Go back to Numbers 22. Obviously, we're not talking about salvation. You don't need to repent of your sins for salvation, but we should repent of our sins as we uh, live life and try to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, just because someone says, I have sinned, or someone declares that repeatedly, we saw here that Balaam says, I have sinned. We saw that Judas Iscariot said, I have sinned. You know who else says, I have sinned, over and over again? Saul. Over and over, Saul keeps messing up and keeps saying, I have sinned. And doesn't mean it, doesn't do anything. He tries to kill David, and David calls him out. He says, I have sinned. And then he tries to do it again. But you know, David, when he was confronted by Nathan about his sin, his adultery with Bathsheba, you know what David said? He said, I have sinned. So sometimes people say, I have sinned, and they mean it, and they repent. Sometimes people say, I have sinned, and they don't repent. And this is what I often tell people when it comes to repentance is, you sometimes need to put people on mute and stop listening to what they're saying and start watching what they're doing. Their actions will tell you more about what's actually in their heart. Notice Numbers 22 and verse 34. You say, well, how do you know that Balaam wasn't sincere here when he said, I have sinned? Well, look at verse 34. And Balaam said unto the angel, Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Look, that's the wrong answer. He, doesn't, he didn't say, I have sinned, because I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to go help Balaam. No, he says, I have sinned. I didn't know you were going to kill me. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now, therefore, notice this phrase, if it displease thee. Analyze those words. If it displease, what if are you talking about if it displease me? Obviously, it displeases God. He's trying to kill you. If it displease thee, I will get me back again. I guess I'll go home if you don't like it. This is not a repentant individual. Look at verse 35. And the angel Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the words that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. I told you that we would look at the explanation and we would look at the application. We've seen the explanation of the story. I hope it makes sense. It's a crazy story, but it's not so crazy. All the crazy things that happen have already happened somewhere else in Scripture. It's not the first time that God goes out to kill someone along the way. It's not the first time that an animal speaks in the Bible. It's not the first time that eyes are open to see the spirit world. And it's not the first time that a reprobate says, I have sinned. It's an interesting story. It's a crazy story, but it's not that unique when compared to other scriptures. That's the explanation. Now let's get to the application. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2. If you start, if you go backwards from the book of Revelation, you have Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 2. We saw this morning that there's all sorts of passages in the New Testament that shed light on the story of Balaam. 2 Peter chapter 2 is one. When we get to chapter 23 and 24, we're going to look at a lot of other passages in the Bible. But 2 Peter chapter 2 actually sheds light on this part, this section of the story in Numbers 22. Notice what the Bible says, 2 Peter 2 verse 15 which have forsaken, talking about false prophets, and Peter is telling us how other false prophets will do what Balaam was doing, which have forsaken, notice these words, the right way, and are gone astray following the way of Balaam. The way of Balaam is not the right way. They've forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who love the wages of unrighteousness. We talked about that this morning. Look at verse 16. But was rebuked. Who was rebuked? Balaam. But was rebuked for his iniquity. When was Balaam rebuked 
for his iniquity. Notice what the Bible says. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking. And of course, the word dumb means mute or unable to speak. The word ass means donkey. These are not curse words, all right? This is the Bible talking here. It says, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. The dumb ass, the mute donkey speaking, rebuked the prophet. Because they had this conversation and she's rebuking him and saying, why are you beating me? I haven't done anything wrong. The angel, the God is going to try to kill you. She rebukes the prophet, and the Bible here says that he was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb as speaking. So I gave you four uh, points of explanation. Let me give you two points of application, and I'll give you the points of application by way of a question. Two questions for us to consider from this crazy story of Balaam and his donkey. The first question is this. What is dumber than a dumb ass? Now, look, I'm not cursing, all right? These are biblical words. I'm not Pastor Shelley up here. These are Bible words. It's the dumb ass speaking. But the dumb ass speaking is rebuking the prophet. Do you understand that? So the question we got to ask is, what's dumber than a dumb donkey? What's dumber, intelligence-wise, than a dumb, mute donkey? And the question is this. The answer to the question. The question is, what's dumber than a dumb ass speaking? And the answer is the dumb you-know-what writing him. The dumb you-know-what writing her. Here we see that the donkey was smarter than the prophet. In fact, the donkey's rebuking the prophet. She's making points against the prophet. And the prophet's like, yeah, you're right. She's like, have I ever done this? No, you haven't. The Bible tells us that this dumb donkey rebuked the dumb prophet. What's dumber than a dumb ass speaking is the dumb prophet writing her. Notice the intelligence of this donkey. Go back to Numbers 22. Keep your place there in 2 Peter chapter 2. And some of you are going to get all holier than thou. Pastor, I can't believe you. You watch worse things on your stinking phone. Shut up. <laughs> Watching all these YouTube channels with people cussing all the time. And they're, oh, I can't believe Pastor said dumb ass speaking. It's in the Bible. <laughs> You're holier than thou. Yeah, right. <laughs> Give me a stinking break. Go home and watch garbage on your Netflix or whatever. And you're going to sit here and tell me I can't use the Bible word. Numbers 22. Look at verse 23. Notice, notice what the Bible says about this donkey. Numbers 22, 23. Notice how smart this donkey is. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. You know how the donkey was smarter than the prophet? She was trying to get out of the way of Balaam. Balaam was trying to stay on the way of Balaam. Look, do you understand that you don't just wake up one day and destroy your life. You don't just wake up one day and ruin your marriage. You don't just wake up one day being a drug addict or being a drunkard or, or, or committing adultery on your spouse. Those things don't happen. You begin to walk down a dumb way. And you know what you should do when you start, once you realize, I'm going down a real dumb way? You should be smart, at least smart enough as this dumb donkey and get off the way. You know what's dumber than a dumb ass? is a dumb you-know-what who rides it. And there's a whole lot of dumb you-know-whats out there who've heard the preaching of the Word of God, who know what the Bible says, who know what the Word of God says, and they just go down that road like a dumb donkey. This dumb donkey says, I don't want to be on this way. The Bible says that she tries to get off the way. She turned aside, out of the way, and went into the field. Balaam forces her back onto the way. You know what she does? 
She tries to get out of the way of the judgment of God so much that she thrusts herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot. And when he would not allow for that, she just stopped. Look, young people, when you're getting around some teenage friends and they start getting so stupid and so rowdy, you know what the smartest thing to do at that point would be? To just stop. To just, can, can, you be, can you be smarter than a dumbass speaking? Can, can, can you be smarter than the dumb you-know-what riding this donkey? Because this donkey had some sense. This donkey understood, hey, there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. So I'm going to get off this way. You know, this donkey was smart enough to understand that uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, that standeth not in the way of sinners, that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. Hey, this donkey was smart enough to say, I don't want to be on this way. So we ought to ask the question, what's dumber than a dumb ass? What's dumber than a dumb donkey that God opens the mouth to speak? It's someone who knows the way they're going and the way it'll lead them, and they go down that way anyway. So here's the application. Don't be dumber than a dumb ass speaking. Don't be dumber than a dumb donkey. This donkey had more sense than the prophet, but was rebuked. For his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophets. I said, number one, by way of application, what's dumber than a dumb donkey? What's dumber than the dumb donkey is the dumb you-know-what writing him. But here's a second point of application, and it's by way of a question as well. And it is, by the way, you know the Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words? All these words are pure words. Don't tell me these are cuss words. What's interesting to me about this story, sometimes I think what we need to do as Bible students is we need to look at the obvious things. And the obvious things are often the things that confuse us the most. Sometimes we need to remember that the plain things are the main things. And people will look at the story And they'll say, this is an interesting story because here we have a bad guy who says some good things. And we know he's a bad guy from other portions of Scripture, but when we look at the story, he seems like a good guy. And people get confused by that, and they even turn on God and say, well, God must not know what he's doing. But look, the plain things are the main things. And the fact that the plain reality of Balaam is that he's so good, it's hard for us to hate him. The obvious thing about Balaam is that it's difficult to see where he's bad. That's actually the application that Billy Balaam, Billy Graham, is so good, it's hard to tell he's bad. That these false prophets are so good, it's hard to tell they're bad. People say, why would God have this dumb donkey speak? Because in chapter 23 and in chapter 24, another dumb donkey is going to speak. And look, you need to just get it in your head that sometimes false prophets say good things. Sometimes false prophets say great things. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist preacher who was a false prophet. He was a Marxist. He was an enemy of God. He was not saved. He did not preach the gospel. But you know, he, he, he gave one good speech. <laughs> I don't have anything against that speech. The things he said in the speech, I'm like, yeah. And people are like, well, he, uh, one good speech. Hey, sometimes false prophets say good things. That's what we're going to see in, in the next chapter and the chapter after that. And we should be, you know, I can't believe you were talking about Martin Luther King. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to the word of God. And he's a Baptist preacher who preached a false gospel. And I, look, I'm not racist. Look at my color. What's interesting to me about this story is not just that a donkey would speak. That says a lot. What's interesting to me about the story is that God actually uses, God actually decides under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God decides to give us an 
explanation of the story. God gives us a commentary of the story. And in that explanation, he uses the word crazy. Now, he doesn't use that word. He uses a synonym for that word. And it's madness. Look at verse 16. But was rebuked, Balaam, for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice, forbade, here's what's interesting, the madness of the prophet. The word madness means insanity, means craziness. And here the Bible says that God chose Peter to illuminate for us this story. By the way, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, these are inspired words of God. And he chose, the Holy Spirit of God chose the word madness in the story. The word crazy in the story. The word insanity in the story. To me, that's interesting. Because it's the craziest story in the Bible. It's the craziest story in the Bible. And God used the word madness to describe it. But you know what's interesting to me is that God used the word madness, the adjective madness, to describe the story in a place where you and I wouldn't have used it. Because if I was going to use the word madness or insanity or craziness to describe the story, I would have said the madness of the dumb donkey speaking. Right? The craziness of a donkey speaking. That's what you and I would say. But God says, well, there, yeah, there's the dumbass speaking, but the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade or refused or rebuked the madness of the prophet. You understand what I just said? When God chooses to use the word insanity to describe the story, he does not use it to describe a talking donkey. He uses it to describe the prophet. So what can we learn from that? Well, here's a question for you. What's more crazy than a talking donkey? You know what's more crazy than a talking donkey? Is you disobeying the word of God that's been revealed to you. You know what's more insane than a talking donkey? Is you and I deciding when we know what God has said, when we know what the Word of God teaches, when we know what God requires of us, when we know the will of God for our life, for us to just go ahead and say, I'm going to do it anyway. What was Balaam doing? He was going after his lust. He was going after his desires. He wanted money. He wanted to get paid. He said, I'm going to do it. I know what God thinks. I know what God says. I'm just going to do it anyway. You know what God looks at that and he says, that's crazy. More crazy than a talking donkey? is you and I purposely disobeying the Word of God. That's crazy. You want to talk about the, the madness of the story? God says it's the madness of the... Don't, it's not the, nothing wrong with the donkey. Donkey's pretty sensible, actually. It's the madness of the prophet. So here's your application. What's dumber than a dumbass speaking? You. And me when we decide to get on the way of our lust and desires against the will of God. What's more crazy than a talking donkey? The madness of an individual who says, I know what the Bible says, I know what God says, I know what God's Word says, and I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm just going to fornicate anyway. I'm just going to drink anyway. I'm just going to Get you marry that. I know they're not saved. I know that they're not that God's will is not for me to marry that. I'm just gonna marry them anyway. Well, you know what? That's craziness. It's more crazy than a talking donkey. I just think I don't know. Maybe your mind works different than my mind. But when I see the word madness, I think yeah, this is a pretty crazy story. But he's not talking about the donkey. He's talking about the prophet. Look at the verses again. We'll finish up. I think some of you are thoroughly offended. So. I've done my job. <laughs> Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. What's dumber than a dumb donkey? 
What's more crazy than a talking donkey? It's someone who decides to disobey the will of God. Numbers 22, let's go back to, we'll finish this up. Verses 36 through 41, I'll read them for you because they really just set up the text, the context for the next chapter. Let's just read it and we'll finish up. Numbers 22, verse 36. But when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him unto the city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did not I earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came unto Kerjeth Huzoth. And Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent, Balaam, and, and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal. Does that sound like a godly thing? That thence he might see the utmost part of the people. I think this is an interesting story. I think there's some applications here for us to take. When the word of God has been revealed to us, when we know what the Bible says and we know what God wants, don't go down the way of Balaam. That's crazy. It's crazy. And you might find that God is standing by the way, ready to bring judgment. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Help us to get our hearts right. Help us to be responsive to your word. When the Bible tells us what to do, help us to do it. Help us to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, not my will but thine be done. Lord, I think this is a crazy story. I, I do. But I think it's more crazy to purposely go against the revealed will of God. I pray you'd help us to learn that, gather that, understand that. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're now, Brother RJ, come up and lead us in a final song. I think we have a baptism tonight, so we'll go ahead and prepare for baptism as we sing, and uh, we'll have a baptism right after.